0: Welcome back to What's on Your Mind. I'm Dr. Gene Bresson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And we're child psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital.
1: Here's what we'll talk about today.
0: Today we're going to talk about a very cool topic, uh, and that is uh, we're going to be discussing music for autism. And let me introduce two of our guests today. Rob Accordino is founder of Music for Autism and he's a fellow in child and adolescent psychiatry in the Mass General Hospital and McLean Hospital Child Psychiatry Residency Training Program. And Susan uh, Hirschman is an early childhood instructor at New York University. So, Rob, could you tell us a little about the
2: history of Music for Autism, how it began, what's the mission? Of course. First of all, thank you so much, Gene and Steve, for having us here today. Really excited to be able to talk to you about Music for Autism. So, we are a nonprofit organization that was started in New York in 2007. We actually are based on a nonprofit that preceded us, a charitable organization in the UK with a very similar mission that was started in 2002 while I was a graduate student in the UK. The goal of our organization is to make music concerts accessible to individuals with autism and their families. And the reason why this is a challenge for families, and we'll hear more about this from Susan, who's a parent, is that when you have a son or daughter with autism, child or adult, the individual looks physically typical. And one of the great challenges associated with that is when there are responses to stimuli in the environment that lead to behaviors that could be misunderstood or a meltdown that could be misunderstood by passersby— families stay in more and more and don't go out into public spaces to enjoy family-friendly activities. So the little things become such a challenge, whether it be going to a shopping mall or buying a quart of milk when this is unplanned, never mind recreational activities like going to a baseball game or going to a musical concert. So the effect of this diagnosis on families is so humongous because it has such an impact on what these families can and cannot do. So our goal is to make concerts accessible, concerts of the highest quality, uh, accessible to this population. And we do this in a way that's interactive and participatory, and we'll talk more about that. But we are, are very interested in working with extraordinary musicians. So in the U.S., we've worked with some Grammy-nominated artists, some Tony Award winners, some artists from Glee, the hit TV show, to make a, a concert accessible to this population. So,
0: so there are really two major components, right? One is the use of music or some kind of an artistic medium that can engage families and kids and adults. And the second is that it becomes a social engagement to help people form a community, experience
2: something that they otherwise wouldn't. Absolutely. So, you know, there's there's a literature, it's a small literature on the importance of music uh, in these individuals' lives, uh, particularly in contrast to language, which is often a deficit in individuals with autism. So, you know, music is something that's potentially preserved. Uh, The ability to understand uh, emotion and mood and music may be preserved in this population. It's a small but interesting literature. And then to your point, in terms of enhancement of the social environment and quality of life, there's a huge impact of being in an environment that individuals with autism are accepted and families feel welcomed and that's something that time and time again the feedback we get from parents from our concerts.
1: Yeah and I think that's that's the coolest thing, you know, that when you've described this to me, that's the thing that I think is so cool. The the idea that you can go out, you can be in public, you can feel accepted. And so, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted right now. Part of me wants to know what stars you had singing with you, and just ask you all about that. But, but I want to I want to bring Susan in. Um, Susan, you, you know, I understand you're an expert in early childhood development. You also have a child with the, with these challenges with this brain disorder. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Like, what's what's your story? What's your experience been like?
3: Um, my experience has been unique, as probably everybody who has a individual. Child on the spectrum. Um, my background is I've always worked with special needs individuals and with typical children. And Danny, my son, who is now 22, at birth I just felt he was different. I had worked with babies for many years. It was my second child, and I just felt his development was off and different. So. For me, I was very accepting of who he was. There wasn't all of this. I mean, I probably noticed that he was autistic before anybody else really agreed to it. And one thing he always loved was music. So we've had a a long journey, but it's been filled with a lot of joy and some, you know, ups and downs, as it is with everyone who has autism, lots of challenges, but I've learned all about life from him, and he's a joy to us. A lot of work, but he particularly loves music. He loves being out in the community. He loves going places. He's very friendly. We've been lucky to work with many talented and knowledgeable professionals who have helped us greatly with challenging behaviors, so... In speaking out to the public, I'd like to say that there's hope for every individual. We're still continuing to make progress. And he just loves coming to music for autism concerts because he always wants to go somewhere and he's passionate about music and it's a welcoming audience.
0: You know,
1: before we go further, I just got to ask you. So you, you said when he was little, you I mean, he's mm-hmm. always liked music. What was the first song or, or kind of music you remember him just absolutely loving?
3: Oh, he, he loves Disney music. And he, I mean, I would think, I, I would say probably the sound of music was probably the songs that he loved the most at first. He loves Disney uh, songs. He, whereas his, la- you know, he speaks. Um, He understands way more than he, he, you know, is able to speak. But through music, he can recite whole songs. And many individuals on the autism spectrum have these amazing memories, and they are very expressive um, through music and and joyful about it.
1: Right. That's what I was hoping you would get. I mean, that's that's what's so cool. You see these kids when they're very young, these, these children gravitate towards certain songs and they know those songs inside out and they are so happy when they hear them. It just must have been such a joy for you to see.
0: And and you know, one of the things that I'm wondering, Susan, is it's one thing to experience music by listening to it or watching a Disney movie, but what was it like for Danny and for you to kind of be present, like right there with these wonderful concert musicians, like right in front of you?
3: Well, uh, looking back, I started, um, I met Robert in 2007 when he was starting this. So we've been there since the concert started in New York. And have you even been to a concert in uh, in Washington, D.C.? It, it's been really interesting because Danny, as probably many of individuals on the spectrum, is variable. So there are some times he'll go to a concert and he'll sit the whole time and be really focused. There are other times he needs a lot of movement breaks. He just, there's certain concerts he has absolutely loved, you know, um, more than others. We had some Broadway stars at some of the New York concerts, which, like, the room was full of joy and activity and movement. And he was, like, spellbound, just sitting and watching. Any other questions?
1: Rob? Dr. Accordino,
0: what are you going to say here? What's it been like for you to? to you, help your him? eyes lit up when when when, when the word Broadway <laughs> stars came on. <laughs> yeah, you so can't see this, Susan. You actually folks out there, folks out there can't up see Rob's eyes, dancing. but but I can tell you as a <laughs> singer, I know you're a singer, and I know that you're you're enamored with Broadway, and 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 uh, your eyes lit up. So as and when Susan said movement, your eyes lit up even more. So what is it about Broadway that affects you, and how do you? And over the years, how have you seen individuals? you know, with autism on the spectrum kind of, you know, uh, react to
2: Broadway? Sure. So, yeah. So I was dancing in my seat. I I, I do have a face for radio, it's been said. So I I think that one of the things that's uh, so compelling about this for me personally is that the one of the most salient childhood memories I have was when I was six years old and was sitting between my mother and grandmother at the first Broadway show I ever saw, which was Cats. And I was levitating from my seat in excitement. And it's something that's very compelling to me that here's a population that's shut out of these experiences. and And when we recruit... These extraordinary musicians, the line that that tends to be most compelling, and it, and it's met it's meant very genuinely, uh, is that you know th- here's a population that's shut out of what you're performing in right now. And clearly, you were greatly moved by the power of live performance. And here's a population that wouldn't be able to experience a live performance that clearly uh, influenced you. So musical theater, I think, lends itself in particular to what we're trying to create, which is a space where as long as no one or no instrument gets hurt, there's really lots of movement between the audience and the musicians. So audience members are coming up to the piano during the concert, playing along. It's very participatory. And we arm families with materials ahead of time, a social story, which is a picture book to get Acclimated to what this experience is, and they can rehearse ahead of time. And there are parts of the concert that are increasingly participatory. So we teach everyone how to conduct, we play along with percussion instruments, we make the environment more sensory friendly. So we have a special way of clapping, which is a soft knee clap that we do instead of a loud cacophonous clapping, which is not very friendly to the needs of the sensory needs of this population. So Musical theater, I think, is a particularly – it lends itself in particular to this sort of participation. And, and unlike a – you know, when you go to a performance of Oklahoma on Broadway – you know you can't run up on stage during the farmer and the cowman might uh, the farmer and the cowman should be friends and you you can't start hugging um the actor playing curly during people will say we're in love at music for autism concerts you can and what's what's special about that is we have engaged with some really extraordinary people in musical theater and sort of recreated broadway scenarios for our audiences we actually one example which is really neat the six-time Tony Award-nominated lyricist and playwright Douglas Carter Bean, he wrote the book for Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella on Broadway, the, recent, the production that's currently on Broadway. So he narrated a reconceived version of the musical for our audiences with cast members, and we did sort of a mini version of the show with participatory wow. elements where the audience became a part of the show. And that's just one example of how we've worked with really extraordinary talent to make what they do on a day-to-day basis accessible to audiences that would otherwise not be able to come.
1: That is so cool. So if I went to one of these concerts and you were doing, for example, Wicked, I could hug Glinda. Like that would be acceptable. You was, you could. I mean, okay. we
2: would. Maybe if it's you, we would sort of be holding you back because we. Because it's really not we, about we, me. We you're, <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're not particularly our target audience, but yes, in theory, you well, good. I mean,
0: I still and, want to hug Linda. Oh, but and Susan, what, <laughs> how
2: how
0: how did Danny participate in 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 some of these uh, engagements?
3: Well, very. You know, when it's a song he really knows and loves he gets very excited and there have been some times that he's like run around you know ran around the room <laughs> but he's just so happy you know when it's music that he recognizes and loves and it and it's so fun to watch the children in the room with their families and there's some adults as well and to see the joy of the families but also, of the volunteers who are working at the concert, and the musicians are just having a blast. So it's a joyful setting, and for you know a parent with a child on the spectrum who you know could be challenging, it's just it it's it's welcoming and it's a, a place where each of the individuals can be themselves. And it's completely autism-friendly, mm-hmm. so it's it's a, it's a pure joy.
0: Yeah. So, Rob, are there other projects besides the concerts that Music for Autism allows or offers these individuals and, and families?
2: So the concerts are what we do, but we're very proud of the fact that we've inspired other similar programs and, in fact, been uh, consultants to projects and programs that have wanted to do similar Uh, sorts of things. So one example in New York is that Susan actually brought her rabbi to one of our concerts. And the rabbi then realized from Rode of Shalom on the Upper West Side that, oh my gosh, religious services have the same problem. We're shutting out a population and the family of a population that would like to be able to participate in what we do and a few years ago, we served as consultants inspired by a Music for Autism program attended by this rabbi for Rode of Shalom to create disability-friendly services, which have just flourished. And since us, there's been a real trend of making programs, musical programs, art programs, museum programs. We, we like to feel that, you know, we, we were starting a trend, but it, the trend would have happened anyway. Uh, the, in the last few years, there's been a lot to cater to this population with the same sorts of elements of preparatory materials ahead of time to make the experience more predictable and thus more autism friendly, and then creating a space that's more accepting of the behaviors that one might see, but also safe. For this population to attend, uh, and then having appropriate follow up after to have uh, more programs that are similarly working with this population. So uh, there, there's been a lot, and there's there's a lot in Boston, and there's a lot nationally.
0: Well, we have to wrap up, but I, I just want to want to express my gratitude to you and to Susan and the others who have taken part in this, and you know, it just it just shows that you know we've we've excluded. Uh, maybe not consciously or purposefully, but individuals with disabilities and creating spaces, places, experiences, medium that they actually can participate in is probably something our society really needs to pay attention to. And I really am very grateful for your work in this and hope that our listeners will take heed, will go visit the Music for Autism site. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to just uh, send us emails uh, or comments and we'll, we'll be happy to respond. Thanks a lot. I'm Gene Baresen. And I'm Steve Schlotzman. I would say everything
1: Gene just said, including the fact that I still want to hug (laughs) Glenda. Thank you
2: very much. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for having us.